You can't see this at home, but in the sanctuary today, we have a number of chairs put out, and taped on every chair are pictures of you. Every chair has a different parishioner taped onto it. So this morning as I preach, I not only feel your presence, but I get to see your presence as well, and I'm, I'm thankful for that. Now today, I want to talk about our gospel reading from John, but before I do that, I want to share with you an old Jewish story. There once was an old rabbi of great wisdom, and as the years went by, his fame spread past his own congregation to the villages and rabbis on the other side of the mountain. Now, one day, suddenly, the old rabbi dies, and when he does, the younger rabbis are bereft, and they say, who are we going to look to for guidance? With the old master gone, where are we going to get the answers to the questions of life? And so what they decide to do is they decide to pray and fast until the holiness and wisdom of the old rabbi is infused into one of them. So that's what they do. And sure enough, one night, the old rabbi comes in a dream to one of the younger rabbis. And the younger rabbi says, Master, it is so good that you've returned to us. You see, with you gone, the people are looking to us for guidance, looking to the answers, for the answers to the great questions of life. But we are still unsure. For instance, the, the people are demanding to know, on the other side of life, of what account are the sins of our youth. And the old rabbi said, the sins of our youth, well, on the other side of life, the sins of our youth are of no account. And the young rabbi replied, shocked, the sins of our youth are of no account on the other side of life? Then what has it all been about? If the sins of our youth aren't punished, what sin is punished on the other side of life? And the old rabbi answered, Slowly, but very clearly, on the other side of life, the sin that is punished with constant and unending sternness is the sin of false piety. The sin of false piety. Easter Sunday is over. Remember, that was, that was last Sunday. And I think it is so easy for us to forget about Easter, to just kind of move on and to focus on what's next. In our context, it's so easy to turn the news back on and to get sucked right back into the fear and anxiety that surrounds us. It's so easy for us to forget the Easter promise and the hope and the joy it brings. So easy for us to not incorporate the Easter promise into our lives. But that story, that story of the old rabbi, I think it challenges us by asking, maybe even demanding, that we tell the truth about our relationship to God and that we tell the truth about our relationship to the Easter promise. False belief, false piety is not going to be tolerated in this life or the next. And so the story asks us 
What do we really believe about last Sunday? What do we truly believe about the resurrection of Jesus? And how is that giving shape to our life? Now, in the church today, we remember Thomas. And we remember Thomas precisely because of this question. Thomas is told about the resurrection, about this incredible event. And yet he doesn't believe it. But here's the key. Thomas is honest about his unbelief. He's authentic in his unbelief. The last two paragraphs of our gospel reading are about Thomas. And we meet Thomas after a terrible, I mean an awful week. He has witnessed the arrest and execution of his teacher, the man he followed and believed in. He has witnessed the betrayal of all the disciples, himself included. And so what we're told is that after all of these events, Thomas just leaves. He disappears. We don't know why, but I guess it's because he wants to deal with his grief alone, wants to deal with his guilt, wants to try and find the strength to forgive his friends. So he disappears, and he misses the first occurrence, the first encounter the disciples have with the risen Lord. Thomas misses that. But then we're told Thomas comes back, and when he does, his friends, the disciples, they have a story to share. They have met the risen Jesus. And so you can see them just surrounding Thomas, trying to convince him about what has happened, trying to convince him that he can have hope, that he can have joy, that the cross is not the end of the story. But Thomas doesn't buy it. And he tells them, I do not believe what you're telling me. Nancy Rockwell is a Christian writer who has a blog, and I want to read to you what she says about Thomas and about his doubt on this day. She says this, Like a breath of fresh air, doubting Thomas enters the over-lilied atmosphere of Easter. He's reliably with us each year on the Sunday after Easter, and every Sunday, really. He's part of us, steadily, reassuringly, He anchors us. She goes on to say, Sitting next to every true believer in the Easter pews is a doubter whose presence is dedicated to unanswered questions. This is why Doubting Thomas was in that room. He belonged to the group. Those who believed, those who said they did but didn't, and those who had questions but were afraid to pipe up. She says, churches are communities of not just believers, but rather they are communities of people who have questions, who doubt, who hope, who come to find something out. Thomas was the one who piped up, and the experience of Easter continued because he did. I like that last line. Thomas piped up, and the experience of Easter continued because he did. You see, if the old rabbi is right, then we have to engage in an honest faith. And that means we need to be like Thomas. 
we need to be honest. Do we really believe in the resurrection of Jesus? And is the resurrection of Jesus giving shape to our lives? I think it can take courage to ask that question. It takes courage to be honest, but we need to ask this. Again, do we believe in the resurrection? But then what? What do we do after we ask that question? Let's say you ask that question and you realize that, that yes, I, I have doubt. I struggle to believe in the resurrection. I struggle to incorporate the Easter promise into my life. What do you do then? Well, then you need to heed the words of Jesus, the words that he speaks to Thomas this morning. Jesus says to Thomas, don't doubt, but believe. We don't rest in our doubt, but rather we seek belief. We move towards believing. You know, one thing to notice about Thomas's story is that Thomas came to believe not because his friends convinced him or argued him into it. He came to believe because he experienced the resurrection. Right? That's what we're told in the story. He experiences the resurrection of Jesus. And I've found that when I talk to people who believe in the resurrection of Jesus, they believe in it because they also have experienced resurrection. Now, of course, it's a, it's a different experience than what Thomas had. But they have experienced resurrection in their life and in the world. They've seen it. They've shared in it. And so when they consider the resurrection of Jesus, this particular historical event, it actually doesn't seem that strange at all. In fact, it actually fits with their experience of their lived lives. Let me read to you another quote, uh, because I think, it, I think it speaks to what I'm talking about. It's by a woman named Nora Gallagher in a book called Practicing Resurrection. This is what she says. When I think about resurrection, I don't only think about what happened to Jesus. I think about what happened to his disciples. Something happened to them as well. They went into hiding after the crucifixion. But after the resurrection experience, they walked right back into life, right back into the world. They walked back braver and stronger. They walked back into the world, visiting the outcast and the sinner. They healed the sick. They cast out demons. And they spoke truth to the authorities they once feared. And then she quotes another writer who says, the proof that God raised Jesus from the dead is not the empty tomb, but rather the full hearts of his transformed disciples. The crowning evidence that he lives is not a vacant grave, but a spirit-filled fellowship. Her point is that resurrection is not a one-time event, that it's happening in our world. Our God is a God of resurrection. The same God who raised Jesus from the dead is continually breathing new life into the world. God is transforming despair 
into hope, apathy into compassion, hate into love, death into life. And to see this is to be transformed. People who believe in the resurrection, they look for this and they see it. And more than that, they practice it. Peter Rowlands, he speaks to what it might look like to practice or fail to practice resurrection. Again, another great passage. Rowlands writes this. He says, without hesitation, I fully and completely admit that I deny the resurrection of Christ. This is something that anyone who knows me could tell you, and I am not afraid to say it publicly, no matter what some people may think. He goes on, I deny the resurrection of Christ every time I do not serve at the feet of the oppressed. Each day that I turn my back on the poor, I deny the resurrection of Christ when I refuse to forgive or to seek peace or reconciliation in my community. However, there are moments when I affirm the resurrection, few and far between as they are. I affirm the resurrection when I stand up for those who are forced to live on their knees, when I cry for those who have no more tears left to shed, and when I deny myself for the sake of another. You see, what I think the old rabbi reminds us of this morning is that it is important what we believed happened in that tomb 2,000 years ago. That is very important. But it's also important whether we are partnering with God to practice resurrection today, whether we're looking for it, seeking it, sharing in it, And in fact, and this is the point I want to end with, as we practice it, as we look for it, as we share in it, we will discover that our belief is deepened. And that's because we will be experiencing it just like Thomas did. Jesus says to us, do not doubt, but believe. And so in this Easter season, what we need to do is we need to open our hearts, our minds, our souls, open ourselves to God's new love, to God's life, so that we can be prompted and encouraged to practice and live into a life of resurrection. Amen.